You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The things we learned and our first quarter report card coming up next. Welcome to Jamie D and Big Newt. I'm Jamie D'Amico. He's Big Chris Newton. We are coming to you after week four, another Bills victory to take the team to 4-0. Big Newt, did you see this coming before the season? Jamie D, man, I I, I didn't dare see this coming, man. We're 4-0. Our quarterback looks amazing. I, it's just so much to get into, man. I'm just happy and I'm excited, especially for Bill. Once again, not just for the Bills players, but even more so Bills Mafia, man. We look like the real deal. Absolutely do. And this game, this past weekend against the Las Vegas Raiders, which is very difficult to say. I have to think about the city every time I make a reference to them. But this one, the Bills had it in hand seemingly the entire way. And Josh Allen, again, completed 70% of his passes. What is going on with this guy? He's out of his mind good this year. And I remember, man, his first year, you used to see it all the time. I want a quarterback that has six or 70% completion rate, and he's there. I mean, and, I, and, and every day after the games – Leading up to the podcast, I talked to some of my friends. I got a good friend out in New Orleans, Cliff Landry, works at the airport, and uh, Bernard and Josh Kinsey and them. I, I run things over, you know, thoughts from, like, the outside because they're all Saints fans. And so I run things over with them. And so the first thing I talked about after the game with Cliff was, right now, today, name me five uh, MVP. Name me the five MVP candidates right now. And he left Josh Allen off there. Oh, really? Yeah, he said Patty Mahomes. He said uh, uh, Russell Wilson. Sure. He said his boy, the running back in uh, New Orleans. Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara. Lamar. And he said uh, somebody else. And so I was like, how can you dare say that Josh Allen? So I'm saying all that to say, how can you dare say that Josh Allen is not an MVP candidate? I mean, as of today. I'm not saying that he will win MVP, but if we had to give it out today, the only person you could say, oh, and he said Dak Prescott. I'm sorry. He said Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott is the leading leading passer in the NFL. So that was his five, and he left Josh Allen off. And I'm like, how dare you say that? And this man is playing the way he's playing, and we're undefeated. So you can't say that. How can you have Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes there – uh, unless you're running on what they did last year, they don't have anywhere near the stats that the other quarterbacks that were mentioned do. I agree. I think it's going off of what they did last year going into this year, and it's still early, you know. Right. And I I imagine that by the end of the season, Pat Mahomes will probably have more yards than Josh Allen does. When, and that's once again, we take one game at a time here, and I get it. But I tell you one thing that you said, what did we learn? My number one thing is I can't wait for the Seattle game and the Kansas City game next Thursday. Oh, man. Because if Josh Allen plays the way he's playing, those could have serious MVP implications. That could be his – it's like we talk about it. It could be like your Heisman moment. And he's had some of those things. We talk about the Minnesota game where he jumped over Anthony Barr. We talk about the butt kicking down in uh, Dallas uh, Thanksgiving weekend. You know what I'm saying? This, those two games, and those coming up real soon, can have MVP implications. I'll play those guys, and you'll be the front runner. 
Yes, and the Bills have the opportunity this season because they have so many nationally televised games, which is quite a departure from what we've ever seen in the past. Because even when the Bills were really strong in the early 2000s, they still didn't get the national love that maybe they could have. Because frankly, with Drew Bledsoe and the dominant defense, they were a very entertaining team. But now, this might be the most entertaining version of the Buffalo Bills I've ever seen. And that includes the Jim Kelly years. So that's something that we've, that's something else that we've learned. The Buffalo Bills are incredibly entertaining to watch. That's definitely true, man. And you talk about nationally televised games, man. That's how you win the awards when people see you. I mean, I had so many friends call me. I mean, once you're a Bills fan, we don't have fair weather fans. Once again, this talking about what we talked about with the summertime, talking about fans. Mm-hmm. One thing I can say is we don't have fair there's, – there's no such thing as fair weather fans. Like my boys in no New sir. Orleans, they say all the time, Big big Newt, man, I've never met a Buffalo Bills fan. That's because they never met nobody from New York, one. And number two, <laughs> I mean, you don't say – you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like that feels good. So I have everybody calling me, texting me, emailing me, hitting me up on social media. Like, Big Chris, we see you. We beat, we see you out here because I've been doing this all my life. You know what I'm saying? So that really feels good when they play well. You can stick out your chest and then people acknowledge you for it like you play for the team. And it's so funny when you talk up to girls or you uh, maybe some ladies or some friends that, that really ain't sports fans. When you say we and us and they laugh and be like, uh, do you get a check for them? And I'm like, well, hopefully I'll be giving a check for Buffalo Rumblings and SB Nation at some point. But even <laughs> before I had the podcast, I didn't care it was we and us like i look at my teams like my kids is us we're a family and we're all in this together so it feels good to get that uh communication and adulation from your friends and they see what y'all doing man it feels great well and it almost became we for you when you met kim pagula out on the field before ball game was it last year or the year before it was two years ago the new england game Two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a picture. For those of you who haven't seen it, we did talk about this one other time, but there's Big Chris on the field. He's got his picture taken with Sal Capaccio and Kim Pagula. And then there's another picture of Big Newt with Jim Kelly and Jim Kelly looking like he's ecstatic to be standing there with Big Newt. I swear to God, Jim Kelly looks like he's having the happiest moment of his life. What did you do to that guy? I don't know, man. I feel like, I mean, I ain't talked to him long, but maybe he had a couple of uh, cold ones before that, you know, so that might be the reason for his face. I don't know. But you talk about what we learned. I mean, the thing I learned that day was I couldn't believe how white Kim Pugula's teeth were. And I said it too because I really didn't know what to say. <laughs> I was like, man, your teeth is white, man. She's a lovely woman. She's great. Um, she seems very smart. Until I'm not going to act like we're buddies or nothing, but just have a conversation and dialogue with her. Very intelligent, well put together woman, man. She got it all in place, man. I'm glad she owns my favorite team. And do you think that uh, her teeth are capped or do you think they're real and she just uses whitening toothpaste? I have no idea. Maybe you can look at the picture and tell because I don't really know dental work. And I was trying not to stare at her. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, it's weird. Like this big old dude just, and she's like a little bitty thing kind of. And so like, why is he staring me? Like, Like it could get weird. You know what I'm saying? So I try not to stare at her. He said, I don't really know dental work. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I mean, so maybe people could go to my uh, Twitter and look at it, and maybe people smarter than me could give an evaluation. But no, but it was awesome, man. And Sal's great, and Jim was wonderful, man. It it was a good time. And I tell you, I drove up there with my father-in-law. And we got on the field. We were lucky enough to get on the field and stuff. And I tell you, man, I met Jim Kelly and Sal and them. I was ready to go home, man. I I could care less what happened that game, man. Because I was like, it ain't going to beat whatever happens. It ain't going to match this, man. I was ready to get back in our car and come back to Virginia. Speaking of things that we've learned this year and your car, we learned that your father is a chain smoker and pays no regard to the fact that you have a brand new car and don't want him smoking in it. Not only is he going to smoke in it, he's going to try to make you look bad and make you feel guilty for asking him to, to smoke outside of the car. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, man. My my old dude, he old school, man. So he like, man, I ain't all I've done for you over this time. Uh, your years on this earth, man. I'm gonna smoke wherever the hell I want to smoke, man. So hey, <laughs> you know that's him, man. And we and we did learn through that story that he drove you around quite a bit, looking at colleges back when you were being recruited. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, the listeners also may have learned that I saved your life by pointing out that you had possibly the worst sleep apnea known to man after we shared a hotel up in Cleveland for a game about eight years ago. Yep. For the Cleveland game, man. Yeah. We're just doing a full recap today, man. That's awesome, man. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Because then we're going to get to the report card, which will be another version of a recap. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, and one more thing. This is not related to the show at all, but this is actually really cool. I found out that my cousin Paul, who's a great, great guy, he recently launched a website um, called Yacho, Y-A-C-H-O, like Nacho with a Y. And you can put in information like your wife's birthday, your anniversary, like all the important dates in your life. Not only does it remind you when it's coming up like a calendar would, you know, fill out basically her preferences and then it sends you gift suggestions and it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So that's something I learned is that I'm now never going to miss another Mother's Day. Hey, that's good stuff, man. Shout out to Yacho, man. We don't have any sponsorships, so we just shout out private small businesses, man. That's how we get it going. Well, yeah, it is a small business. Um, I I probably am not even allowed to do this, but the website is goyacho.com. And I bring it up because it's my cousin. It's an awesome idea and it's going to help people. So that's improving relationships. Shout out to Yacho. Thanks, man. Okay. Now let's, let's get back to the topic at hand. We need to run down the Buffalo Bills report card from the first quarter of the season. We have... But four games in the books, and I don't know how we got here so quickly because it seems like we just did our first podcast where we were previewing the season, and here the Bills are, first place, 4-0. and Nobody saw them looking quite this good, so let's give a rundown of the position groups, shall we? Let's do it, man. All right. You got to start on offense, and we have to start with Josh Allen. A how plus. are you going to grade that guy? What? A plus. A plus. A plus plus. Couldn't imagine it, man. This guy is one of the league leaders in yardage, touchdowns, passing efficiency, QBR, every important category. And then uh, Sal, I don't know if you saw the tweet um, on Monday, but Sal tweeted that he started 32 games, right? So that's two years of start, 16 games a year, right? So the first 16 games – Okay, he's thrown like 14 touchdowns, like 20 interceptions or something. I don't know. But the last 16, he's almost at 30 touchdowns and only four interceptions. It's insane. That is amazing, man. And once again, if you want me to be the face of it, I didn't believe in him. I didn't, There's no way. I'm not ashamed to say that there's no way that anybody would have thought that he'd make the progression he did. Some of it's Brian Dable. I feel like he's one of the best play callers in the NFL right now. He's hot. We have the best – we're going to get the receivers, one of the best receiving cores to help that man out. All right? So who would have thunk it? This guy is playing pro bowl ball, and if we get a couple more wins, he'll be in that MVP race. I 100% agree, except I'm going to walk back that grade to an A, not an A+. And all of the things you said are 100% correct. I can't believe the accuracy that he's playing with, the confidence that he's showing to make those difficult throws, making good decisions. It's really just phenomenal to have watched this guy evolve before our eyes from, from a seemed like a scared kid running around on the field in his, at the beginning of his first season to a guy last year who seemed like he was pulling it together, but still didn't quite have the numbers to all of a sudden making that huge leap this year. But here's why I'm not going to give him an A plus. And it was written in the athletic today by the writer, Mike Sando. He's an NFL writer. And this is it's basically he said that Allen must evolve. And I agree with that after reading this. And and this is what he wrote. Allen must evolve. 
Wait, huh? Allen has completed 71% of his passes. He's averaging nine yards per attempt. His passer rating, 122.7, suggests efficient play. His 87.1 total QBR ranked third behind Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers through Sunday night. How, then, could anyone suggest that Allen must change? By watching the games, not just the stat sheet. Allen's penchant for holding the ball and taking hits had him heading to the locker room to get checked out by doctors during the 30-23 to victory over the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. The sack he took on 3rd and 18 knocked Buffalo out of range for a field goal that would have finished off the Raiders by extending the Bills' lead to 17 points. Later, Allen tripped during his dropback on the final clock-killing drive. Instead of falling on the ball safely, Allen risked a turnover by executing a harried handoff. Against the Los Angeles Rams last week, Allen drew 15-yard penalties for a face mask and arguing with an official, both in the fourth quarter of a tight game. These are minor details until the odds even out, and specifically in the playoffs when opponents are better prepared to exploit vulnerabilities, as the case was for the Bills last season. So I ask you, is that a reasonable critique? It is. I can see that. Um, But once again, how I feel about it is we're 4-0, and I feel like those are like things we could clean up. Sure. The fact that he's throwing for a ton of yards, he has this many. Like, I look at the big picture, right? And so his accuracy, although it has improved dramatically, like the the long play to uh, Stephon Diggs, if he hits him in stride, that's a touchdown. You know what I'm saying? If he leads him more to the right-hand side of the field, maybe – Slightly outside the hash mark. Exactly, because he's wide open. And once again, man, I'm going to tell you, um, Tamari Vanover played at Florida State, played with the Chiefs, right? I remember the first time I met him. He's one of my friend's uh, brother. And we were talking football, whatever. One of the, I'll never forget, one of the first things he ever said we were talking about it was, in the NFL, if you are half a step in front of somebody, a half a step, then you're open, Right. And certain guys can make that throw, all right, which is fine. But when you have when you're running, oh, our receivers are so open. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. just just that point, dude, Diggs was he had the guy beat. It was a, a double move. He had him beat by like four or five yards. Most NFL quarterbacks can hit him to the right side. You had all that green on the right side of the field, he would have walked it to the end zone. Once again, I'm not gonna we're four and I'm not gonna nitpick that. The accuracy has improved dramatically, but it's little things like that. But this is only year three. And if he makes that kind of commitment to getting better during the offseason, I feel like he can improve that stuff because he's gotten so much better since last year. And even the best quarterbacks don't make every throw. I mean, it's not a reasonable expectation. And and also that one was 50 yards downfield. I mean, that was that was quite a heave to get there. And yeah, maybe needed to put more air under it and move it a little farther to the outside. But overall, it was still completed. And he's completing passes like the one to John Brown that should have been a touchdown where John Brown was nearly double covered and he hit the spot with a dart. It, it was absolutely a, a perfect pass and exactly yeah. where it had to be it was. in order to get to John Brown. It was. And those are passes that we never saw from Josh Allen before. And I, I think with a little more maturity, the things that I read Mike Sando Wright are going to iron themselves out, but he needs good coaching. So I hope Brian Dable sticks around. Oh man, we need to re- we need to re up him now. And Brandon Bean, man, get those guys locked up now. Money isn't an issue. It's done yep. but a word. Let's get it going. Especially when it's not our money. Exactly. <laughs> so let's move to running back. So it's mostly been the Devin Singletary party with the exception of a few runs by Moss in the first couple of weeks. What do you make of that when it comes to a letter grade? It's hard to uh, give him a letter, give them a letter grade without talking about the offensive line. But if I had to, I feel like Singletary is probably a B, B minus at this point. Um, Zach Moss has missed the last two games, which I was surprised when he was a, a scratch for Sunday. 
I thought he I was I thought he got the word Friday night that he was gonna play, so I was a little confused about that. But as far as Singletary is concerned, he makes people miss in the backfield. He make a lot of guys miss, which is good. But our running game, I guess I will just give it a B minus C plus mm-hmm. as a whole. So I guess I would have to stick him with a B minus. Okay, I think that I agree with that. I believe that there's room to improve, but it's partially incomplete because, frankly, they just haven't handed the ball off that much. Mm-hmm. I think that we're going to see more from Devin Singletary and more from the offense as as there's a little bit more cohesion with the guys up front, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but let's go to the next position group, the wide receivers. We're talking Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown, Gabriel Davis, and we even had some Isaiah McKenzie and Andre Roberts out on the field this past week. So what do you give them? A plus, 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 plus. Yeah. We have the best receiving core in the game. And we talked about this in the preseason, and we've seen it coming, and they've proved it. Stefan Diggs has proven to be a number one receiver. He, as the t- At the time of the recording, He's the number one receiver in the league, tied with uh, DK Metcalf out in Seattle. Uh, he's changed everything. He's changed uh, the whole way of life, not only in Buffalo, but just in my house, man. I'm a happier man. Your okay? house? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a happier man because we got digs. Wow. I feel guilty that we only gave up a first rounder for him. <laughs> we should have gave him two. I mean, he changed everything. Having a true number one he makes Josh Allen better. He's the reason for all this. Not saying that I'm not trying to take anything away from Josh Allen. He's an improved. But when you have this guy making a play, just once again, man, throwing the Seattle tape. You, you all watched it. It was on nationwide for most of the country. Go back and watch that game, man. That dude's amazing, dude. He gets open. He, I mean, A++, man. We don't have anybody. He's not the best receiver in the game, probably, but I would would not take anyone's top four over ours. No one. Not even Atlanta. And look at at how many yards they're averaging per reception. Diggs is averaging 15.5. John Brown, just under 14. Cole Beasley is averaging 14.4 yards of reception. That's insane. Most slot receivers are averaging under 10 yards, usually under eight yards, depending on the type of offense they play in. And these guys are all getting almost 15 yards per reception. Are you kidding me? Now, I realize that Dable is doing a great job to scheme them open and to get them downfield, and Josh Allen is hitting them. But these guys are excellent at getting down the field and getting themselves open, especially Beasley. Like, you watch that guy against zone defenses. He just, it's like he has a sixth sense of where he needs to be. Right. He finds the open spots, man. And shout out to the hit he took on his touchdown, man. Oh, yeah. He got flipped in the air and getting crushed by two or three guys. That's awesome, man. If you haven't seen or you don't remember it, go to buffalobills.com. They got the replay and they got a great picture of it, man, right there up close. He's awesome, man. It was almost a Don Beebe style head bounce. Thank God it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, man. And shout out to Cole Beasley, man. If you haven't heard him, he's a rapper also. Get out. So, Oh, yeah, man. Check him out, man. He got, he got a little swag to him. He got a little flavor to him. I had no know? idea. Yeah, man. That's why you got me, man. That is why I've got you. (laughs) Okay, moving over to tight end. I'll start this one off. I'm going to give the tight ends a C plus. While they're not doing a ton when it comes to receptions, Dawson Knox was out with a concussion. We saw Tyler Croft. He, He showed pretty well against the Rams. They're doing well in the run blocking. Also doing decent in the pass blocking, but they really haven't been that productive. So C plus is what I'm going to give them. Yeah, I, I could go along with that. I would probably say B or B minus. Uh, even Lee Smith caught a touchdown, I believe, last week. So, I mean, we're getting production from all three phases of those guys. So I'll give them a B, B minus. That's, I think that's fair. Now over to the offensive line. Now it seems that with this past week, it's very clear what the Buffalo Bills are going to be doing with their lineup going forward on the offensive line. Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morris, Darrell Williams, 
there was never any doubt that those guys were going to stay in their positions, but they've been flexing their their offensive guards around a little bit. And it looks like Cody Ford has found himself a home at the left guard position. Brian Winters has been starting at right guard. He got injured and Quinton Spain came in to take his place at right guard, did not shift over to left guard, which is where Cody Ford had been playing, which was where Quinton Spain started all of last season and the first couple games this year. So with that going forward, I think that we're going to see an improvement as they continue working together. But as far as grades go, I can only give them about a C plus. And the reason for that is while the pass blocking has been decent, they're just not opening up, opening up a ton of holes in the running game. And also, I would have liked to have seen them do a little bit better against Aaron Donald than they did. Now, I know that's an impossible task, but I would have liked to... I would have liked to have seen them put up a little bit more of a fight. And I agree with you. I would give them a C plus, although I like their uh, pass pro probably a little bit more than you do. I feel like most of the time Josh Allen has a clean pocket and he has time to throw the football. I would give them as far as pass blocking, probably an A minus B plus, but our run game is horrendous. I mean, I really thought we'd be further along when it comes to those improvements that we made on the offensive line. Um, but I feel like offensive line is a thing. It takes time to kind of gel. Um, I saw you tweeted out about Brian Winters. I thought he got pulled too, but I guess he got an injury. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Quentin Spain got back in the lineup, and so uh, and then we got uh, Feliciano still nursing that injury also. So once he get back, then we'll be more full force. So. I would probably go with a C-plus with the offensive line. We have to be better for the run so we take pressure off the passing game even though we're lighting it up. They need to open up more holes for Devin Singletary. That guy, he's a terror when he's got the ball in his hands. He just needs somewhere to go. I agree. So let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. Which position group would you like to start with? Well, let's start with the big guys up front, man. Um... Trent Murphy has played well this year. Um, well, I well, I feel like he's played better than I thought. I mean, I thought he was going to be one of the casualties. Uh, Ed Oliver is showing and proving. Uh, I was a little disappointed the first three quarters of the Raiders game on Sunday. I feel like Carr had way too much time. We did not get off the field on third downs. I feel like we could have rushed the pass a better. And then when we brought extra pressure, they were able to convert from the back end. So as far as the D-lines up front, I would probably give us a C. Okay, I'm going to go with a D-minus. You tough. D-minus for the defensive line. You're tough. Here's why. In four games, the defensive line has seven sacks and 21 quarterback hits. In four games. Mm-hmm. That's that's fewer than two sacks a game, and it's like just over five QB hits. You got to do better than that. I mean, you the, the the pass rush seems to be horribly lacking, and and you saw that this past weekend against the Raiders, where I mean, Derek Carr just he had a clean pocket pretty much all day, with the exception of a a few a few big plays where the Bills got in there. Um, they've got to do better than that. And then against the Rams, you saw that they were just getting pushed right, right out of the way. And were especially susceptible to the, to the play action passing. I feel like the bills defense as a whole is not playing well. In fact, in the last two games, they've forced a total of one punt. That's awful. And it, and it begins with the defensive line. They're not stopping the run. They're not getting after the quarterback. The problem with this team right now is the line. And I wonder how much of that has to do with Eric Washington, the new defensive line coach, who's supposed to be quite the defensive line guru. But even when it comes to pass rush, I watch those guys. And on any given given pass play, three defensive linemen will run past the quarterback and run themselves right out of the play. That doesn't work. 
I agree. And that criticism is well warranted. And we talked about it last week, not having Starla Tulele, man. I, I found myself wondering, can we call that guy? And then also uh, Lorenzo Alexander at that um, linebacker spot too. But we'll talk about the linebackers. But, yeah, I, I agree with that criticism, man. We have to find ways to get pressure on a quarterback more consistently and stop the run. Harrison Phillips, I mean, he spent all last year out. I feel like he's got to get healthy. Um, but, hey, man, we had some turnovers. Q Jefferson had a great uh, strip sack yep. and fumble recovery. So, I mean, they're making some plays. But, yes, we need to find a way to get more pressure up front. Okay, so let's move to the linebackers as you just brought them up and you brought up the name of a fan favorite, the Lorax, Lorenzo Alexander. What is your grade on the linebackers position? Man, it's hard. uh, It is. Because Tremaine Edmonds, he don't look right to me. Matt Milano, he's the, I mean, he left the game again, hurt, I believe, uh, on Sunday. So, I mean, these guys, and then A.J. Klein, I mean, I would love to have Lorenzo Alexander back. I would give him a C. Matt Milano flies around, make plays. I believe Edmonds had like 12 tackles, but a lot of them was uh, downfield. Um, and like I said, both of them still seem hurt. Uh, that's why they're talking about the uh, Tennessee game may get canceled. I don't know if you've been keeping up on that sure. because of the COVID. But, I mean, as, I think they're going to test again come Wednesday. And if they have more positive tests and they're not able to get practices in, then they might just cancel that game. They can't put – you were like, well, why don't they just push it back like the Steelers game? Well, if they push it back, we play next Thursday. So you can't play on Monday and then turn around and play again on Thursday. So I think they'll reschedule that game. And so I'm kind of hoping for that. It's maybe we could get some guys back healthy. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but yeah, our linebacker group, I, it's almost an incomplete because I know they're hurt. Because I know Edmonds and Milano is better than where they're playing at this point. And then AJ Klein, I mean, I wish we could find somebody off the street. I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful, but we went a lot of nickel and dime the second half of the game. So, I mean, yeah, I would. I would probably give them a C. A I C grade. think that I'm inclined to go with the same letter grade because the injuries to the top two players has definitely hurt them. And when they're healthy, they're they're the dynamic duo. They're a fantastic tandem out there. But the roster construction, and we talked about this before the season began. The roster construction of the linebacking position was questionable. They brought in Klein because I know they wanted a veteran, but he has proven to be a liability, especially in pass coverage. He ended up finding himself benched in favor of Tyrell Dodson, who is a second-year undrafted free agent. So, you know, Klein, (laughs) unless he improves, he may find himself getting his walking papers during the season here. Now, I, I doubt that they do that, but it's always a possibility. Delshawn Phillips, backup linebacker, he's been injured. Tyler Medikavich has taken some snaps at linebacker, which is something you don't really want because he's a special teamer only. I, I think the lack of depth pushes the grade down for me, down to a C. I think that this grade can go up immensely if Milano and Edmonds can get healthy and stay on the field. So that brings us to our defensive backs. And why don't we split this into safeties versus cornerbacks? Does that seem reasonable to you? Sounds good. All right. So let's go with the corners. You got Trey starting seemingly every game. Josh Norman making his debut against the Raiders. And you had uh, your boy there, Levi Wallace. He's been starting. What do you make of those, uh, those guys? Well, Tredavious White is going to push the needle because he's one of the best in the game. Uh, Levi Wallace had a rough go against the Rams. He rebounded. I think he got hurt. But, hey, we activated J-No. That boy Josh Norman Mm -hmm. had a wonderful uh, force to fumble on the tight end that was killing us the whole game, Waller, and and then uh, recovered a fumble too. So, he had a big game, man. Considering that's his first game with us, man, he really made an impact. But once again, when you have one of the best in the game, man, even on the other side, maybe we lack a little depth. 
I will give our cornerbacks definitely about a B. Definitely a B. You know what? After seeing Trey struggle a little bit against the Rams, seeing Levi Wallace really struggle against the Dolphins, it pushes the overall grade down a little bit. And I hope that Norman can shake off the rust quickly. I hope Levi Wallace isn't out for too long. The slot corner, Taron Johnson, has not been great. He seems to be running behind his receivers on a lot of plays. But these are things that in large part you're seeing because the defensive line isn't getting any pressure and they haven't schemed in many blitzes either. So I'm going to have to go with a B also. I hate to agree with you on all of these. This would be so much more fun if we were yelling at each other, telling each other how stupid we are for picking the grades (laughs) that we did. But... Yeah, I guess I guess we've been seeing a lot of things through the same eyes. So that brings us to the safeties. We've got Jordan Poyer and uh, uh, Micah Mike, Hyde. Thank you, Micah Hyde. Brain farts. And Dean Marlowe. And uh, Dean Marlowe comes in to play the big nickel once in a while, though he is a uh, he is a safety. So I haven't seen them get beat too often. It was as if Poyer had a little bit tougher of a game against uh, against the Raiders. He seemed to be in a trailing position when he normally is right up on the man he's trying to cover. And I think that I'm probably going to go with, uh, with a B on them as well. You don't hear their names too often. And by the way, Bill's defensive backs are their top four tacklers, which is not something you want to see. Uh, but since they are making that many tackles, you've got Hyde, Poyer, White, and Taron Johnson getting in there quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give them a B. I would give them probably a B plus, and I think they would be an A if we had more push up front. What I look for my safeties is assignment and fits. So they very rarely get uh, miss an assignment. And if you did, we'd give up more big plays in the air. I don't know if you noticed on Sunday in the game, but we gave up that touchdown that they called back. Yes. And I was shocked. I was like, wait, what? What what just happened? Because usually they're sound with their fits and they're usually not out of position. Luckily, it was a penalty on the play and it got called back. So I would definitely give them a – I could go with B. I would be more apt to give them a B plus, And I know if we had more push-up for we they'd be an A. It's hard to play that spot when you're giving them all day to throw the ball, man. So I give them a B plus. I that's that's more than fair. And you know, like I said, when you're looking at the Bills tackle leaders, Jordan Poyer, 23, Taron Johnson, 21, Micah Hyde, 20, those guys are earning their paychecks. They're bringing down a heck of a lot of ball carriers, including running backs and tight ends, which is something that they shouldn't necessarily have to do. Yeah. They're they're playing pretty well. I don't have them quite at an A level yet, but I think B is it's somewhat fair. Uh, I I know I can be forever the pessimist. I know I can be very critical, and when I see something like that play where Poyer got beat deep, I sort of take it to heart more than I should. But you know, that's just because I'm a nasty bastard of a person. <laughs> and finally. Let's take a look at the special teams. What are you feeling about that one? Once my boy Bass missed that uh, extra point, I was like, if y'all don't call my boy Hauschka and find out where is he at, what is he doing, and how when can you be at the airport? I just <laughs> – and I know kickers, he's young. I get it. I could deal with missed field goals, but extra points, dude. <sighs> And then and it didn't come back and bite us, all right. But that could have been very pivotal in the game. He missed the extra point, man. Yes. And I know he's young. Kickers last in the league forever. Hopefully, he continues to get better and everything. We just got to kind of suffer through it. But I'll be lying to you if I didn't want to call Hauschka after he missed the extra point um, early on. So he missed one, and his field goals, man. I just. I would at this point is early. I would probably give him a C. Okay. Um, I think I would probably give him a C minus because he's missed three kicks in four weeks. That's 
not really acceptable. Now, the coverage units. Well, before we get to the coverage units, let's talk about Corey Bajorquez. Back to his inconsistent ways. But man, when he gets a hold of them, he's incredible. First couple of weeks of the season, I, I thought he was magnificent. This past week, he ended up with a net of 23 yards because he kept booting it into the end zone. So he's got to get better. I would probably give him a C plus or a B minus because it looks like he's playing with a little bit more confidence. How about you? I would probably give him the same. Um, he's up and down, so I don't have a problem with that. So let's combine the coverage and return units into one grade. A. Yeah. <laughs> and that all, and that's all. Once again, Andre Roberts is moving the needle, man. He's looking like the pro bowler that we signed, and the reason why we bought. Man, he almost broke one Sunday against the Raiders, man. I tell you, he's short-handed, and he made people miss, man. A+. plus. If the damn defense can force more punts, we're going to see this guy break a number of them. And the blocking has been outstanding. Also, the coverage units have been really good. They they haven't given up anything that's been really back-breaking. They certainly haven't given up a touchdown I, I like what we're seeing. And, you know, Bass is pretty good at kicking it through the end zone. And if the ball's not returned, you're not going to have one taken back for a score. So I like that. That is very true. So overall, the Buffalo Bills have a good team, don't they? Doesn't that sound crazy to say, man? I tell you, we haven't seen this since 2008 uh, when Trent Edwards had his run at the beginning of the year. I believe we started 5-0 and that year, and then we went to Arizona, and he took that hit, and he was never the same again. That was the uh, end of Trent Edwards. That was the end, man. That was 12 years ago. So we haven't seen this in a long time. I mean, and so I just, I'm just enjoying it. This is better than I thought it would be. I, I had us going 3-1 and one the first quarter of the season. I feel like – so the way I processed it was – now we could lose another game somewhere, and you know, we have a little leeway. You know what I'm saying? We got a little money in the bank, a little equity. So if we drop a game that we weren't supposed to because we're flat, then it's really not a problem. To go 4-0, I don't care who you playing, man. It doesn't matter. To go 4-0 is great, and it just feels good to wake up that Monday morning and see us not only at the top of the AFC East, Okay, not only at the top of the AFC, so if the playoff was to start Monday morning, then we would be the number one seed, right? Mm -hmm. But we were at the top of the NFL, dude. And granted, that was before the uh, the Chiefs played and I think Green Bay. So, I mean, we it's right. still six undefeated. It was six undefeated teams Monday morning, but two of them didn't play in Pittsburgh and uh, in Tennessee, I believe. So, anywho... The thing about it is just to see Buffalo at the top and everybody's talking about us and gushing, man, it just feels good. And Buffalo, uh, Buffalo Bills Mafia, man, just enjoy the ride, dude. Just enjoy it. Don't wait. Don't be scared thinking the wheel's going to fall off or the, the carpet's going to get pulled from under. Just enjoy it, man, because we, we well deserve it. Yes. I mean, there's no other way of putting it than giving you an emphatic yes because – there's been a lot of lean years, and here's the thing. The Buffalo Bills, like I said earlier, are so entertaining to watch. I Frankly, yeah. I like scoring. I like defense when it's my team playing good defense, but when you have track meets like the, uh, like the Dallas-Cleveland game this past weekend, it is just a really good time. Now, moving forward... Things don't get any easier for the Buffalo Bills. They have, on Sunday, the Titans, who, at the time of this recording, are undefeated. Then they're, they're playing the Chiefs, the Jets, who are a mess, and then the New England Patriots are heading to Buffalo. And it, it gets even worse after that. Then it's followed by the Seahawks, Cardinals, Chargers, Niners, Steelers. The <laughs> The middle part of this schedule is awful, but man, is this going to be fun? Let's see what these Buffalo Bills are made of, huh? 
Yeah, man, and going back to the original thought uh, at the beginning of the show, what have we learned? Okay, I don't know if I learned this, but I'm going to tell you how I feel. There's nobody on our schedule right now that scares me. Nobody. And so, no. Because just think, man, as you keep winning, we're, okay, as the time of this recording, we were one, we're one point favorites if we get to play Tennessee on Sunday. We're favored. So if we win, that ain't an upset. Like a lot of people had us losing to the Rams. We were favored. People had us losing to the Raiders. We're favored. So as long as you keep winning, you're going to be favored. And then, Lord forbid, if we play well against Tennessee, we got Kansas City coming to our house. That might be a pick'em type game. Two undefeated teams Thursday night, short mm-hmm. week. We're playing at our place. You never know. Uh, yeah, it's take true. For granted with the Jets, okay? Because scrubby teams beat good teams all the time. Yes. All right. So you you don't have to be for, you don't have to be forgiven with that. You don't have to apologize. All right. And then the Patriots. Um, I never hope anybody gets sick, but if Cam Newton still has COVID and they tried out Brian Hoyer, Hoyer well, God bless him. All right? <laughs> so, I mean, no, like the Chiefs does not scare me like they scared me a month ago. You know, so once again, when I'm talking to my friends, every Tuesday we do pick the bills. All right? Just like on the Howard and Jeremy show. And so everybody's like, oh, you're going to lose to the Raiders. Eric, you're going to lose to the Rams. Well, we beat them. You're going to lose to Tennessee. You're going to lose to the Chiefs. I mean, so I don't feel that way. If we keep putting up 30 points a game, we could be anybody. This is what makes it different than the old Bills where we was like, okay, we got to play great defense and hold them to 14 points and hopefully we score 17. No, you got to put on your big boy pants and you got to put up 30 to play with this Buffalo Bills team. And 30 points, they've they've topped that every game this season or have scored at least 30 points every game this season, which is a beautiful thing to watch. And I have to tell you that what does scare me is teams that a run the ball well, like Tennessee and teams that score an unbelievable number of points like the chiefs, because the bills defense is leaving a lot to be desired right now. And if they get into a track meet, I know the bills can score a lot of points, but I don't know if their defense is good enough to stop the opposing team enough for the Bills to pull off a victory against the Chiefs of the world. We'll see, though. That's fair. That's fair. But one thing I can say is I'm not scared of them now. That's all I'm saying. Like, I was scared of them. Like, heck no, we're not going to beat them. I can't say that if we beat Tennessee and we go in 5-0. and I feel like it would be a pick em. Mm, to be honest yeah. with you. And that's all, and that's all you want to be, man. And that's how I'm feeling right now. Now, once again, it's fluid. And once again, I want to see what happens when we do lose, how we rebound, when people catch up to us. But right now, we got things going. I mean, I tell you, man, it, it's a beautiful thing. And I got a, just a quick story to talk about that. So I was talking to um, another one of my buddies, Joe Johnson. He played with the uh, New Orleans Saints for 12 years, one of my high school teammates. And so uh, – he used to always say when we used to be hanging out and stuff back in our younger days, our wild days, all right? And so I guess you imagine hanging out with an NFL player, what that looks like, whatever. <laughs> so it's all This is in my younger days before I was married and all that. So we'll go out and you try to pick up girls, whatever, whatever. Everything you would imagine. And so if you start slumping, he would always say, well, when does it, <laughs> when does it uh, turn from you slumping to your game just lame? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I think about that with Josh Allen. Like everybody, and I'm saying that all to say that with Josh Allen, everybody keeps saying, oh, he ain't that good. He ain't that good. Well, he's playing well. So when does it go from, okay, I'm down him to, okay, no, this dude is really good because he's one of the leading passers in the league. He got all these stats. When will it be that he's an MVP candidate? Because right now, people just think he's hot. He's kind of like a rapper or a singer who just comes out with uh, one song. Like that Chinese dude with, with Gundam style. You oh, remember yeah. that song? Sigh. Yeah. You, like, we ain't heard from him since. No. But he had the number one song, most downloaded song, the biggest thing in the world. He was hot. But we haven't heard from him since. So when does it go from you being 
tied to, hey, man, this dude is good. And while I said out that long story to just say that now he has an opportunity coming up in the m- next month to show how good he really is and if we're for real. Yes. Because people are still doubting us and we get him. And we had many years of of us doing billsy things. And so you even like my heart dropped when he got hurt. So it was good that uh Josh Allen came back in the game on Sunday. It was just his left shoulder, his collarbone was bruised, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, Matt Matt Barkley over there, and then you see Diggs over there trying to coach him up, tell him what to do. He was like, Yeah, throw it to me over here, throw it to me over here, <laughs> throw it to me over here. You'll be okay. You know, go back and look at that clip. The way he was moving his hands, he was like, Yeah, throw it to me here, and then next play, throw it to me here, and then throw it to me here. So but, yeah, it was good to see him come back in the game. But I want to see if he's going to be able to take that step and have this consistency. Consistency. Don't be hot. Be good. Okay? It's a worthwhile question to ask and conversation to have because we have seen brief glimpses of excellent quarterback play since the Jim Kelly days. Drew Bledsoe comes to mind with a tremendous eight games in his the first half of season that he played with the Bills and Trent Edwards for the first six games until Adrian Wilson, for all intents and purposes, took him out of his misery with one big hit. And that was the end of Trent Edwards. So what I need to see is consistency. And I think that's what we all need to see. We've we've also seen one-year wonders. We've seen players like Derek Anderson have an amazing year for the Browns and then never be able to replicate it. It happens from time to time. Fortunately, I think we're looking at something different here. If you look at how it's stacking up, there's not a lot of luck going on. Now, maybe there are chinks in the armor that we haven't figured out yet, but the book was already out on Josh Allen that he couldn't handle blitzes. Well, he's doing that now. He's not struggling when there's a cover one or cover zero and there's multiple blitzers. He seems to know where to go with the ball now which is something he didn't before. That's telling me that he's here to stay. When you can hang 30 points on people, man, what do I always tell Seth? Beat they ass. Beat they ass, Seth. That's why I tell them all the time. Shout out to Seth Donnie, man, our boy. Yeah, it is our boy. Anyway, thank you to all of the listeners who have sat here diligently listening to Jamie D and Big Newt. I'm Jamie D'Amico. He's Big Newt. We will come back at you next Wednesday. Hey, hey. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.